Welcome back. It is Monday, August 7th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 169, Nice of the Can I Say Something podcast. I'm your host and a recluse with a juicy caboose, Damien. Joining me today, he has become Barbie Girl, destroyer of Barbie worlds. Derek McDuff. On today's show, years in the making, months of anticipation have all led up to this. Barbie Harmer has arrived. But before that, we'll be getting to a little bit of whooping watching, including The Bear Season 2, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Barbie and Oppenheimer, right into the show, Can I See Something Podcast at gmail.com, Bicycle on Twitter, subscribe on Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend, family member, or stranger, what's up man, how you doing? Hey, uh, good, good, yes. good. Just, good, just good. two things. Yes, two first, things. First thing is, is it Groundhog Day? Oh, is it? I, no, is it? I'm asking you because oh. <laughs> that was the same exact intro yes. you did last week. Verbatim. It was. Yes, verbatim. Is, yeah. Yes. It's for like, you. We're going to be discussing the same thing. So I kind of was like, I eh. guess so. It's just like, yeah. well, I did it with Dion and I did yes. it with Derek. Like, yeah, sorry. I didn't personalize it for you. I didn't personalize it for you. Yeah. No, I just, I just thought it was funny. You're like, literally, you're like, not yeah. even going to change a word. Nah. Not even going to, like, whatever. The listener, so if the listeners are out there are thinking, yeah. Oh no! I listened to this episode already. No, you're good. <laughs> no, you don't didn't. worry. Damien just yes. didn't bother to write a new I intro. Didn't, I didn't make a new intro. Now the world's going to end in like ten years, so it's fine. No intro. Different intro is not going to be necessary. Uh, that's <laughs> so, that's thing number one. Back to what, were we, what were we going to say? Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the uh, just rip, rip, um, Stitcher. Like I had Stitcher in there for a while. That was mm-hmm. that almost tripped me up. Was saying Pocket, Pocket Cast instead of Stitcher. Uh, mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they 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 went. They went bankrupt or something. I don't know. But I remember, do you remember like when back in the day when uh, like those uh, po- or, uh, podcasts like were going to be huge, like they are huge now, but like um, what's his name? The guy that did Comedy Bang Bang and all that, Scott Ackerman was going to be like the, the head of this new, <laughs> he was, everybody's going to be under his brand. Like Stitcher was going to, I think he co- co-funded or co-financed Stitcher and Stitcher was going to be like one of the main hubs for that stuff. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was the thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. When 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 they w- was still up and coming and like uh, comedy banging was a thing and they were doing like um, a lot of I, I know a lot of like podcasts are under that brand and they have like a whole studio where you can re- record each in your own little pod and that was like one of the big ones that's going to be out. But uh, yeah, that was that was uh, one I set up to. I had like I might have even done like a six months <laughs> sub to it. Uh, do you do you ever sub to uh, any podcast just to get rid of the ads? Because a lot of ads are getting ridiculous. Where I could, like some of them, I know like Burt Kreischer's podcast that I listen to sometimes. I'm not a big fan of him, but sometimes I will listen to his and his ads will go on for like ten to twelve minutes. I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. 
Uh, no, I, I I just hit skip. Just skip, yeah. 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 It, it it does get a little ridiculous. Like, do you ever like listen to a show and you're like, actually, I'm not going to listen to this because this is now... Yes, I did that. Unspooled <laughs> got ridiculous with the yes. fucking amount of ads that was on Unspooled. It was like, like, before the show even started, there was literally like four minutes of just uninterrupted ads. And then Paul and Amy came on, they're like, hey, we're going to start the show, but before we do, we need to tell yeah. you about all these things we're doing. I'm like, God damn it. They're doing, um, I don't know how widespread it is, but I know that a lot of ringer shows have started doing ads, but in the way that they're not like, we're going to take a break and come right back. They're just like mm-hmm. segueing slowly into it. So it sounds like the rest of the show. So you're not sure yeah. that it ended or when it ended or when it began. Have you noticed that? Yeah, they kind of like, they. it's like a tricky thing they're doing to you. It's like a little sneaky, yeah. sneaky. Little sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, I don't. I've never bought anything from those ads, so that it's not really yeah, no. working I'm not on me. Sleeping on a Casper mattress or like drinking yeah. athletic greens or whatever. Yeah, I'm not taking blue chew. I don't have any erectile dysfunctions going on. So remember that when fucking ads started showing up on podcasts, and it was always like AdamandEve.com. Get your yeah. Remember when uh, Kevin Smith was hawking the uh, the flashlight? <laughs> I don't remember that. I missed that one. Yeah, flashlight. Kevin Smith flashlight moment, I guess. Oh, he was big into it. Like Adam, like Adam. You know, Adam and Eve is just like a uh, place yeah. to go for for sex toys. And his big yeah. one that he would talk about all the time about like using was the flashlight, which is you can imagine what that is. It's yeah, a, man, you gotta. Here's the yeah. thing: it's flashlight. Flashlight's yeah. great, man. Uh, yeah. I love my flashlight. All right. And I yeah. wrote, I was writing this, and this guy came with me and he said, hey, I want to put an eight-legged fleshlight in your movie, all right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know why, like, a lot of advertisers are scared of, like, advertising on, on R-rated things. Because they were talking about this on, on Twitch a lot of, like, how to get sponsorships, how to get ads. And... Oh, because there, there, there's this uh, podcast called Wine About It where they drink wine. And they're like, yeah, it's hard to attract advertisers when your whole thing is drinking wine. It's like, why? That is like one of the biggest selling I things ever. Drinking yeah. Wine is, well, wine is kind of gross, but drinking yeah. is great. Drinking is great. Yes. But, uh, so I don't have a segue to this, but. <laughs> well, before you do, yeah. I had another yes. thing I was going to oh, say. Yes. With your, your atrocious yeah. intro there. I mean, yes. your good intro there. Good. Uh, yes. What did, what did you say? What was your portmanteau there that you said of portmanteau. Barbie and Oppenheimer? Uh, he has become Barbie girl, destroyer of Barbie. No, no, no. Like you said, you said like the one word. Say it again. Barbieheimer. Like one word combination. Yeah, you said Barbieheimer. It's Barbenheimer. Is it Barbenheimer? I'm sorry. It's I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry yes. to this I was, great. I was like, what is <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I apologize. Barbieheimer. 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 <laughs> sounds like sounds like uh, David Lynch on Twin Peaks. Barbieheimer. Uh, yes. I'm going to see Barbieheimer. Coop, I'm going to see the Barbie and the Heimer. Have you heard of Oppenheimer? He did Destroyer of Worlds, Coop. <laughs> anyway, so Rip uh, Paul yeah, Rubens. Coop, uh, he would yes. see. He would absolutely yes. see. I'm going to see Oppenheimer, and then and Coop would be like. I'm going to see Barbie. I think that there is a mystical proposition in the middle of that movie that will lead me to the revelation that I need to know about one Laura Palmer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Rip Paul, Paul Rubens. I don't have a segue for this, but uh, I did want to talk about it. Rest in peace, Paul Rubens was uh, obviously Pee Wee. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was Pee Wee's Playhouse before your time? Because a little bit before mine, so I'm imagining... 
it's probably I, before yours as well, right? I have vague memories of the show. I definitely yeah. saw the show. I remember yeah. the movie because I very di- have vivid memories of him dancing on the the counter with the tequila dance. But I, yeah, I think it was like I I was I was pretty young. Like I caught the tail end of when it was a thing. Right. Um. So Mark Mothersburg, who I know, uh, did like a lot of. Uh, Nickelodeon theme song, especially uh, the Rugrats theme song. He's big into. I think he did a lot of like the scoring for uh, Wes Anderson's early movies. Yeah, he um, did. He did uh, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, interesting! Didn't know that he did that. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of people were in this. Like a lot of people uh, cameoed in this, including Lawrence Fishburne, which was the he played the the cowboy right in that show. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawrence Fishburne was the cowboy. Yes, he was the cowboy. Yeah, that was a little bit before my before my time. Yeah. I also I mean, he's in Devo, right? He, who is that? Lawrence Fishburne. Mark Mothersbaugh was in Devo. Oh, like, with uh, the <laughs> you're saying Lawrence Fishburne was in, yes. No, oh. uh, Mark Mothersbaugh was in Devo. Yes, correct. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I, I just recently watched uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure for the first time uh, a few years ago. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm sure I liked it. Like, I, I wasn't over the moon about it, but yeah, it's like, okay, I can understand uh, why this was a thing back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah, uh, rest in peace. Paul Rubens and also uh, Shane O'Connor um, was only uh, 57. Paul Rubens was 70. Yeah. Uh, Shane O'Connor 56, was 56. 56. Yes, correct. Yeah. So, yeah, just uh, one of those people that you look back on what they were uh, most famous for was like, you know, saying how uh, rampant and, uh, you know, awful the, the things that the Catholic Church Catholic Church was mm-hmm. getting away with for for you know, at least decades, probably even longer. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that people tell you to talk about like cancel culture now. And it's like, well, many people are canceled in in a long time ago, like her, like the Dixie chicks, like a lot of people were wrongfully. She went on the week after that and said, yeah, he would have smacked her or something like, and like, you just say her talk about it. People like, Oh, you ruined your career. And she's like, no, I ruined the career that they wanted for me. I didn't ruin anything that I wanted, you know? Yeah, a lot of people wrongly maligned. Then you figure out, oh, they they were actually they were actually correct uh, in doing yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then one more to yes. Tony Bennett also oh, passed yeah. away. Legendary, yeah, singer. Ninety six. Yeah, dude, he did duets with everybody. You know, all yeah, to Lady Gaga and and uh, just a quick little aside. Um, you know, it's a somber subject, but a funny story. Uh, my dad, you know, when Tony Bennett passed away, and then Snade O'Connor passed away, and my dad goes, he's like, celebrities always die in threes, so I'm worried I might be next. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Dad, Kiwi just bit it. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. Exactly. You're safe. You're safe, Dad. <laughs> does he consider himself a celebrity? He does, in oh, his own mind. Yeah. One time I asked him if he would ever go to Coachella, and he's like, I'll be on the stage. <laughs> Nice. Uh, let's see. So moving on. Uh, Loki season two trailer dropped. Did you have a chance to check this out? I I had a chance. Did I do chance. it? No. No, you didn't. Because no, <laughs> you I don't, don't watch like trailers. watching trailers. You no, don't I don't watch trailers. trailers. I like to okay. watch things for the first. I don't I always, like. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, like you know, like there's gonna be some movies we talk about today, and like there's moments that happen, and you're like, that would have been really cool if I had just been seeing yeah. that for the first time. I've seen it 18 times before this, so it doesn't really impact me at all. Yeah. I don't know. I always think that you're going to make an exception uh, at some point. Uh, but yeah, this is a, you know, interesting trailer. Try to talk around uh, the big, 
the big set pieces or the big, um, I don't know, big things that the, what the show, what the season is probably going to be about. Um, do you want to know like who's in it? They want to know, have you no. heard? Who's I don't want to know nothing. Don't, I want to go in as fresh, fresh as a daisy. Okay, so listeners, you can uh, look that up yourself. Moving on. <laughs> no, yeah, I enjoyed it. it was a good trailer. Um, I th- they were talking about this on the, on uh, Midnight Boys Pew Pew um, about their uh, anticipation for this in the light of you know how the MCU's been recently. And uh, Charles Holmes is the usual. He's the me of the group. <laughs> he's the one that's mm-hmm. usually most negative on this stuff. So he was like, you know, in a in a vacuum. This looks great. If this is just a thing, this is just a thing called Loki, had nothing to do with anything else, then yeah, looks great. Can't wait for it. But in light of it being part of this larger thing that's, that's been on the downslope for a while, a little bit less excited, little bit less, less excited for it. That's about, that's about how I feel about it. All right, yeah. fair enough. I mean, I'm, I'm yes. very excited. I liked season one quite a bit, so I'm oh, yeah. excited to see where it goes. Yes, yes, yes. Me too. So let's get to what we've been watching. Uh, watching. I've been dipping in and out of uh, a couple things uh, this past couple of weeks, just trying to go see some different stuff, look look up different stuff that people have been talking about recently that I've, that I've missed out on. Uh, one thing real quick, I'll just say uh, I'm probably going to skip the return, skip the Twin Peaks, the return. Uh, I got about yeah. three, three episodes into that, and that seems, like you said, very, very self-indulgent, very... Um, you know, a lot of the scenes do do a thing that I'm I'm pretty tolerant of. I'm toler- very tolerant of like a scene that will sort of just be very slow, meanderous. Um, uh, David, uh, this guy that did the Green Knight, David Lowry, does that a lot. Mm-hmm. I like the, but I like the, that stuff in, when he does it. Uh, this is just to to the extreme. There was so many yeah, moments. Yeah, because it's not for twelve hours yeah. when David Lowry does it. Exactly, exactly. So, and that, like like you said. Uh, there's what 17 18 episodes i think i, I saw on there a lot of a lot of episodes yeah yeah something like that um do you think that uh david lynch is somebody that uh, famously does not like to talk about you know his work and what it means uh do you think that it's part of that is because he doesn't know what the fuck it means <laughs> that that a lot yeah, of honestly. the stuff that goes into what he made or famously like well, like we talked about bob uh, in Twin Peaks was sort of a off the cuff thing. That guy accidentally was in the frame, and he's like, "Oh, that that seems interesting. I'll put that in there. That'll be the whole overarching thing." And it's like, "Well, did you plan that out? No, not really. Okay, well, does, does the, maybe you know you're not thinking uh, long term. You're not thinking about um, overarching theme themes and what Bob might mean, you know, to you. So, do you think that you know the fact that he does that a lot uh, informs his decision not to talk about his work in that way?" Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, he, he doesn't want to, like, limit any perspective. And right. he wants to make everything valid. And if it's something he ever wants to come back to, he doesn't want to put himself sure. in a box. And I and I get that when, you know, TV and stories are evolving constantly. Right. But, you know, there's, there's a point where it's like, well, you have to have some idea of what's happening. You have to have some kind of goal that you're getting to, even if you don't know how you're getting there or if things might change. And it just seems like... Lynch is just like, well, whatever. This is interesting to me today, and it won't be interesting to me tomorrow. I'll do something else tomorrow. Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm glad you agree with me because I feel like I'm yeah. taking crazy pills with everyone because <laughs> they are like act like Twin Peaks Return is like the greatest mo- thing in television history, and I'm like, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, like, yeah, at yeah. The part episode eight, I would say maybe watch that episode because that episode okay. is actually pretty phenomenal and probably bumped up my letterbox rating like by at least a whole half a star on its own. Um, 
but like the whole show is just I I watched it during lockdown and I was just like this is so so like <laughs> uninteresting. <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. That's that was an issue. If, if I could watch those episodes um, that were featured on that uh, anthology show about you know the the scariest moments in in cinema, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'll probably watch that episode. Um, look for other stuff, but yeah, just too much. It, it's it's <laughs> it's a lot for me. Like you said, you you. I don't think you've seen a lot of Lynch's work. Um, so I'm, uh, like I said, I'm very tolerant of those self indulgent. Um, Roots he'll go down, but even for me, even somebody that's seen all his lo- seen all his stuff and liked a lot of his stuff, even that was too far for me. So yeah, because I I love the original Twin Peaks, like the original yeah. like ninety two show. Yep. And I think a big part of it too is I I don't think Mark Frost I might I, I might have to look this up, but I don't think Mark Frost was really I, I guess he was kind of involved, but I don't think he was as involved. It felt a lot like less of a collaboration and and much more of a like Lynch thing than like, oh, this is both these guys. And it lost a lot of the, the stuff that made like the charm of like it being kind of like a like a parody of a soap opera and stuff. Yep. Um than the original one had. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there's anything in the uh Wikipedia that has him listed on here. Um says the first is this the first episode? Okay, so first episode was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch. Seems like just going through here. He, yeah, did, seemed... he did. I think he was just looking at the Wikipedia for episode eight. It looks like he did that episode too, which makes sense because it's the good one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's credited on all the episodes. So he I is. mean, I might be wrong, but it does feel, it does yeah. feel just like you can really feel the David Lynch of it all. Yeah. A yeah, lot yeah. more. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason. Yeah. It seems like one of those things that like Showtime went to him and were like, you know, this is, you know, 25 years after the thing. Lynch has obviously established himself as being that sort of person that's going to do this kind of weird stuff. Um, you know, Showtime not being, you know, a cable TV show allowed him to really <laughs> go all the way with yeah. his proclivities into the weirdness and the just the the absolute like just here's a scene of a guy doing a thing and we're going to show the whole thing for nine minutes. They were allowed mm-hmm. to do that because it's Showtime and you can sort of get into all that stuff but yeah i was like oh boy <laughs> even me this is too far it's, yeah yeah like yeah same like i i'm in the same way where i like there's a there's a line like i think, yeah. I think lowry is the perfect guy to walk the line of like art avant-garde like we're just gonna hold on this weird yep. shot for a while yep. but like it's still like the green knight has a lot of ambiguity and there's a lot of yep. weirdness but it's still like a story it's still yeah. like a narrative you could follow with like a protagonist that has emotions. It's, it's, you know, it, it really, it's, it's the perfect balance of the weird cerebralism with actual storytelling without it feeling like, you know, I think too often nowadays we go too far in the other direction where it's like, it's just generic schlock, save the cat bullshit. Yeah. Where, you know, and Lynch is in on the opposite, complete opposite side of that, where he's just like going, nothing fucking means anything, and it's all just <laughs> whatever you want to take from it, and you'll just be watching a shot of Cooper standing there for five minutes, and nothing happens. And yeah. there's 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 a really good middle ground that that not not that many people are hitting. Yeah, exactly. Outside exactly. A24, maybe. 
Yes, exactly. Really looking forward to seeing um, Talk to Me. I heard that's really good. Good, uh, good A24. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's go to something you've been watching. You checked out Haunted Mansion. I saw this is pretty much one of the main trailers that I've been playing before. A lot of the movies I've been going to recently. Uh, what do you think of this? I liked this movie a lot. Um, it was, and I know this movie is getting kind of, you know, torn apart. Um, but I, I saw this, I was on a podcast, um, another podcast talking about this, uh, uh, the Matt and Mark movie show. And, uh, I, I thought it was great. Yeah. I saw it though in the 4DX cinema because I was like, this is a movie based on a theme park ride. So I'm going to replicate the (laughs) situation. I've never been on 4DX before and it like jostles you around and like, you feel like you're in the haunted mansion, right? There's like parts where like the chair swings back and you're like, whoa. And then it'll like squirt you in the water face with water and then like things will light up <laughs> i was having a blast and that yep. was all super fun and it was cool and you know it's just a bunch of really great comedians like it's a bunch of people who don't like lakeith stanfield is in it he's the lead he's amazing but obviously you've got like um like danny devito is, is great owen wilson is just doing his just like owen wilson like he's still just playing roy o'bannon from Shanghai Nights, honestly, uh, and you know I'm I'm all there for that. Uh, Tiffany Haddish is phenomenal in it. Uh, I think, um, yeah, just it's I I mean I like movies with a real true ensemble cast, and this was that. Like it it did a really really good job of it. Jamie Lee Curtis is good. Um, there's some great cameos in it, and uh, you know it used Jared Leto in absolutely the right way. You should use Jared Leto <laughs> where he's just a spooky disembodied voice, or his face is covered up by a bunch of makeup. <laughs> and, uh, and you don't have to really see him do anything. It's great. It was perfect. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. It's the uh, script isn't fucking, you know, like going to win an Oscar yeah. or something. But if you're looking for a fun time at the movies, yeah. uh, you know, why not? It's 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 a lot of fun. I unironically liked it. Nice. Very cool. Uh, let's see. What else you got? Let's talk about beef because we both... Did you see all yeah. of this? Did you catch all of this? I watched it in a day. I had a day off and I nice. was like, I'm going to watch... I'm going to start this show. And I just binged the entire thing. It was so good. I did too. You know, it's got that like short... What was it, like 37 minute episode. Some mm-hmm. are shorter, some are longer. Um, it's obviously the uh, black comedy um, created by Lee Sung Jin uh, starring Stephen Yuan, Ellie Wong, and Joseph Lee. Um... Yeah, this is a this is a show that like people talk about a lot, but like, oh, it's just awful people being awful. <laughs> Why do you want to sort of watch that? But I thought it was very interesting um, about how you know it seems like a lot of the uh, some similar themes of from like um, Emily the Criminal, where Stephen Yuen is doing Stephen Yuen and his cohorts and his brother are doing like similar things with that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I really loved uh, Stephen Yuen in that sort of role where I've seen him do like, he's really, really great in Burning. I don't know if you ever saw that movie from a few years ago. Um, he was really great I in that. But I th- yeah, I think he's really, really, truly talented. Um, Ellie Wong, I haven't seen her in very many things, but I think she worked really well here. Uh, what'd you think? What'd you think of this? I I thought it was absolutely amazing. Like this is like, this has been such an incredible year for TV. Yeah. Like, and it's, you know, we're probably not going to get another year like this ever just because it's the explosion of all the streaming stuff that uh, is not going to happen any longer. But but it was so good because it makes you you're watching both these people. And like you said, they're both fundamentally pretty unlikable, bad people, but you still understand them and relate to them. And 
just the way that they interact and everything it's it's almost like like the most of the it is like almost like a a viking saga where it's just like about how revenge just breeds more pain and hurt and just trying to like you know settle the score just makes everything worse and the way that things just keep escalating and escalating and escalating until that penultimate episode and you're like oh my god like everything is just yeah like happening and blowing and just you know people are dying and it just started because <laughs> somebody flipped somebody off and yeah it's which is interesting this is like the set there's another show i think I'm, i put it i think i put it in the notes that i'm going to talk about where it also starts with a somebody flipping somebody off after like a road rage um <laughs> but uh yeah and then i i would have it got to the end of that second last episode i was like that would have been a perfect ending how is there another episode and then the last episode when it just becomes about them like learning like understanding each other in a way that no one else could because they're both so flawed and broken and they've been hurting each other it just really i don't know it, it it's it's sometimes art can really transcend and, and make you think about your own life and just and that's what this show did for me yeah i think you're totally on on point right there um a lot of the from the standpoint of like socioeconomic like what are people doing to survive and what are people doing to sort of, you know, the, the Ellie one character and Steven Yuen are sort of engaging the same sort of like, um, I don't know what you would call it. it it's sort of, it, a lot of this stuff reminded me of like, um, uh, no sudden move, the Steven Soberg movie mm -hmm. where yeah. you have people doing like low level schemes and then like at the highest level, of banking and monetary stuff it's just like they're doing the same thing everybody's everybody's running a scam all the time um it's sort of like that phrase that people have said uh, which i think is very true is like we talk about sex work everybody's selling their body it's just you're selling different parts of it you can be selling your back if you're like constru <laughs> construction or like you know unloading trucks or whatever you're, mm -hmm. you're everyone's selling their body and mm -hmm. like um what did she say throwing, throwing a lot of stuff out there right now but the uh Jennifer Lopez at the end of um, what was that movie where she was a stripper? Um, Swordfish? No, no. Jennifer Lopez where she was a stripper. Um, it's like twenty nineteen. I, I heard you. I don't know. <laughs> Let me find it because she basically was like, everybody's a stripper, everybody's a whore. We're just selling different. We just sell it different ways. And I think this is a very good examination of like everybody's running scams. Everybody's doing a con. It's just different scale at different scales you know i think ellie mm -hmm. wong's boss uh play, played by maria bello is also just running she's scams. so good she's, she's very good. So good she's, she's very good in this movie so much. she does suck very much and it's just like you know steven yuen's like and his friends are like selling um what were they selling like rice cookers right um yeah yeah. And it's just like, it's all the same bullshit. We're just selling bullshit to each other, <laughs> just <laughs> at different levels and different like price points. You know, it's just, I think it was a very good sort of um, examination and sort of uh, juxtaposition of like everybody's bullshit. It's like what, uh, you haven't seen Succession, but at the end, that's the sort of the message that um, one of the brothers says to the other is just like, man, we're all like, trying we're putting so much effort into this thing that we're doing and they're doing it again it's the whole the media their media empire is also bullshit and they're also selling shit to other people and selling bullshit to you know very gullible people but yeah it's just a, i thought it was taking it from that standpoint 
of trying to show that, like, you know, Ellie Wong and her family and her whole um, lifestyle and her outward appearance makes it seem like more legitimate because mm-hmm. she's not like, you know, doing it herself. She's not getting her hands dirty. But it's sim- it's a very similar situation that they have. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was very funny. <laughs> I was telling somebody at work about this. And he's like, "Yeah, Stephen, you want just the point where he he finds out where she lives, and he's like, "Yeah, you're you're like you need some work done on your siding or whatever." And he's like, "Oh, can I just use your bathroom?" And he goes into the bathroom, pisses everywhere, and leaves. And it's just like <laughs> so <freaking> ridiculous <laughs> how petty it is, and and how you know stuff like this that that I look at. I'm like, that's. Psychotic behavior. The most psychotic behavior I've ever I see is like stuff like this, where it's like the incident will happen, and like I'll have I'll be in the car with somebody, and like oh motherfucker, that somebody will get cut off, like fuck, fuck piece of shit. But then like five minutes later, they're fine. But like psychotic behavior like this, where the, there's somebody will be wronged, and then they'll take it and not just go to bed, but like days and days later, still think about it and still like do work to, to find the people where they live and shit. That's the most psychotic behavior of I've seen. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I, I, it's like one of the things is like, that's what like, like I don't go to those extremes, but I like have trouble letting shit go. I get so fucking mad. And I like, will be like, I still think about this time when I was a fucking teenager and some, I went to a shop and some guy like accused me of stealing and like took my money. And I was like, what the fuck, bro? I'm still mad yeah. about it. And yeah. like, <laughs> so it's like, I don't like, you know, I'm not like going back there, like trying to get revenge on that shopkeeper, but like, fuck right. that guy. But <laughs> this is like, this I, thing, that's why this, shit, this show spoke to me so much is like, you yeah. can't, you can't let that dominate your life, you know? Yeah. I was in a, I was at the mall one time and I had a open copy of Enter the Matrix for the PS2 and I was going to return it mm-hmm. to GameStop and we went to Best Buy and it was probably because my friends were Puerto Rican. So the fucking security guard was, was, you know, hyper fixated mm-hmm. on, on them, but they held us for like fucking half an hour to try to figure out if we if that was if i brought that in from outside or actually took it off the shelf it's like first of all it's a shitty game it's a shitty 20 dollars game what are you fucking doing here (laughs) it's such bullshit yeah yeah so great show beef highly recommend that um tell me about transformers rise of the beast did you see um see the last one the uh bumblebee see that one no i did not okay that's, that's the good one right that is a that is a good one. <laughs> I yeah, say, I guess the first one's a good one too. Uh, yeah, I will say I I have you know nostalgic positive nostalgic memories of going to the theater and seeing that seeing the ending. Bump 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 bump. What I've done, you know that whole fucking yeah. Lincoln Park ending. Where's my Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so I have those good nostalgic memories of that. Um, I heard that this Transformers Rise of the Beast is a either spiritual successor to Bumblebee or t- actually does take place in the same world, so I was just interested. It's the same, yeah, it is a direct yeah. sequel to Bumblebee. Got, like, gotcha. They even make a reference to Bumblebee. Like At one point, like Optimus Prime is like, the, like somebody's like, we can't trust the human, uh, and then and Bumblebee's like, but you can maybe, and he's like, I know that that one Haley Steinfeld was good, was <laughs> kind to you, and yeah. John Cena was there too. But <laughs> he doesn't say that. He says something. He just says like one was nice. But um, so it's like yeah, it's it's and it's set in like ninety four. Yeah. Which is weird because like there's nothing in the movie that like like every once in a while they'll do a thing where you're like, oh yeah, this is the nineties. The music, and, it's or like, music drop uh, or something. It's completely irrelevant that it's set in the early nineties, mid nineties, whatever. Yeah, well, I think it probably goes back to that thing that a lot of directors and people talk about now of how like it's very, very difficult to put it take to have anything take place in contemporary times because of cell phones. 
right? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah. It felt more just like the last one was set in the 80s, so this one's going to be set in the 90s. Sure, what I think sure, it was, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. It was like the fucking X-Men thing, you know? Yes, X-Men 97, yeah. No, uh, no, I mean, like, how they, they had, like, first class, and like, oh, cool, we're taking it back to the 60s, so, like, okay, oh, well, yeah. the sequel's going to be in the 70s, so, like, gotcha. okay, and then the next one's going to be in the 80s, and after that, it's going to be in the 90s, and then it's just going to go back, but the first one look, came out in 2000, so it's going to be the look the same. They fucking yeah, it's like Fassbender wait, Michael Fassbender. It's been like forty years. How do you yeah. still look like this? <laughs> and then just you don't like, look like Ian McKellen in like four years at this point. Like yeah, this same way I don't that get this at all. Same way that Obi Wan looks like a majestic yeah. twenty five year old, and then son, son one day he looks like uh, fucking uh, what's his name Alec Alec Guinness. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like did you ever see Looper when they're yeah. like. They like do the flashback scenes, and you just see like they try to like do that transition between Joseph Gordon-Levitt and yeah. like Bruce Willis, and they, he like he starts to like lose his hair and everything. But then it's just like one point, it's just like now he's Bruce Willis. It's yeah, so, now he's bald. So great. Yeah. So <laughs> plus or minus thumbs up, thumbs down on uh, Rise of the Beast. It's it's like a very narrow negative thumbs down. Like I didn't. It's not a terrible movie, yeah. but it's not a very good movie. Like, yep. I wouldn't recommend watching it. Like, it's it's a good, like, throw it on in the background, but, like, it... And it honestly kind of makes me miss Michael Bay. Because Michael Bay, like, he has... He is such a interesting visual storyteller, and he knows how to move a camera and to do things practically when you can. Obviously, a lot of the Transformers cannot be done practically. They have to be CGI. But what I... Uh, like, if you... If you just take a shot from one of the Michael Bay Transformers movies and you just take out all the Transformers you watch, it'll be like a dynamic, moving, interesting shot with lots of things going on. And if you take any random shot from this movie and you take the Transformers out, it'll just be like a guy walking or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's really lacking that that visual flair that, for better or worse, that Michael Bay had. Because at least, like, you, those might not always be good decisions, but at least they're committing to something it's not right. just bland cookie cutter stuff right i think you mentioned watching like ambulance and ambulance without michael bay is just like eh. it's a pretty decent yeah. like action thriller or whatever but the, the thing that makes it that well, the thing that made it one of your favorite movies from last year was the michael bayness of it right exactly that that and jake gyllenhaal's unhinged insanity <laughs> like yeah those yeah like yeah, Michael, like, if that, yeah, it would just be just a, kind of a generic thriller with a good central couple performances. And, but because it was Michael Bay, it elevated it. I think I had it as, like, my five or six yeah. movie, uh, movie of the year last year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Before we move on to uh, The Bear, let's just say real quick, just another some other stuff I watched, you know, a little bit. Um, I think she'll leave. Uh, it's obviously Tim Robinson's uh, show that's on, been on Netflix. I think this is, this is the third season uh yeah third season uh came out fairly recently seen a lot of clips uh, that went viral on tiktok especially the you know 55 sandwiches 55 whatever's sandwich uh, things you know from the oh yeah, yeah delivery yeah from the uh from the uh what do you fuck call that drive up from the drive up window he did that mm. um yeah, I don't know. I think it's one of those things you got to take in very small bites because <laughs> I watched like yeah. seven or eight episodes in a row and I was like, okay, I get it. He's like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. too much. That's too much, Tim Robinson, right there. It is. It's like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Amelia Bedelia, but she was this person yes. who would like, yeah, take things literally and things she would under, misunderstand, things that people would say. And 
that's like this the 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 theme of like a lot of episodes of him just seeing somebody say something or do something and then him taking it to like the nth nth degree of just like taking it literally and doing like the the dumbest version of whatever it was. <laughs> There's one where it's, it's very it's yeah. very good fodder for TikTok. It you is know, very TikTok good. clips. Yeah, because you just I had, like, okay. I had one I had one yeah. good TikTok that I used a I think you should leave thing and it blew up a little bit not too much but yeah that's good. Congrats yeah, on that. Yeah, got so, some numbers. Yeah. Got, got some, some numbers. numbers. That's good. Cool. Got, gotten the quadruple digits. You, you know, got some nice. engagements. Nice. Some yes, views. Exactly. Some eyeballs. <laughs> got a couple of followers. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, just an example of like what it is. It's just like he's in the board in a, in a meeting room and there was like a loud bang or something. And they're like, what was that? I thought that was a car crash. And it was just like the heat turning on or whatever. And then... Tim was like, he grabbed a, a stapler. He's like, I thought this was a banana. He's like, you, you thought it was a banana? Really? It's like, you thought that was a car crash. It's like, it sounded like I, it was just yelling. Like yelling is funny thing too. It's just like, yep, yeah, I get it. You're doing that thing again. Okay. I like think this, watching like one yeah. sketch is like hilarious, but like yeah. watching like a whole show is a little much. I got to say. Some of them, I think some of my favorite ones are the ones where he's like the straight man and somebody else is acting mm-hmm. weird. Um, there's the yeah. one from th- the previous season where he's having dinner with somebody and the other guy was like, oh, that looks good. I, I would, I, I'd like to eat that. And he keeps progressively getting closer to it. And then he does actually eat it very slowly in front of the guy. And he's like, hey, that's, I actually paid a lot of money for that. And I would prefer you to, oh, shut up. Ah. Yeah. Okay. I got it. <laughs> I get it. Yep. Uh, let's see. You watched the bear. Did you finish the bear? The bear. I, I did finish the bear. Yeah. Nice. It was really, I don't, you know, I know you guys talked about it last week. Um, you know, got a really good discussion with Dion, yes. uh, about the bear, but the I, bear. yeah, I really loved it. You know, obviously yeah. that, that one, the, the episode really yeah. good. And just the way that it ends. Um, I, I really just, the show is re- it's really good for anyone who has, is creative uh, and has like a dream, you know, like me with my writing and podcasting yes. and like how I want that to be successful. And you have so much writing on that and your whole identity seems to be writing on that. And then if you start to have any success at all, you get imposter syndrome. So like in just the way that the people that go on this convention with you become like your best friends and stuff. And just it's it's it, it was really, really really great for as a creative person to watch this and a creative person with a um not as hectic as the family in this but as a hectic family like you know the john bernthal character uh definitely reminds me a little bit of my own brother uh just you know like i we've all been to like horrible family dinners and stuff like that where things go a little bit awry uh so yeah i really enjoyed it nobody crashed a car through my my living room (laughs) but you know yeah like i said last time you know i've had those experiences of of being at a, a dinner or a, a Thanksgiving or Christmas where it's, you know, getting hectic in the kitchen. I pretty much stayed out of that that stuff. And you have the experience of the person being like, I don't, I've done this and I don't get any thank yous and I don't get any help. And it's like, and then you try to go in and help. Like, I don't need your help. Like, okay, well, what do you yeah. want? You want help or you don't want help? Um, I think the best um, reaction, you know, at least the, the most... Um, you know, the difference between the person they were at the start of the season and the person they were at the end of the season was definitely Richie. Um, very start, beginning of the, of the first episode, he's like, you know, what's my purpose? Are you guys going to leave, leave me behind? Um, he has that moment mm-hmm. in, uh, is it called Forks? Yeah, it's called the, the Forks episode where he's um, yeah. 
staging staging at, at yeah, the yeah. uh at the restaurant called uh edit here for a second um ever he's, he's staging it ever and they're having him clean the forks and they have the argument where you know richie's like you know i've been doing this for a while and i'm old i'm like 45 and i shouldn't be cleaning forks when i know how to do this and that and the other thing and the guy was just like you know just have just just do it do the job do the work you know, and specifically have respect for me, have respect for the people that you're working with. But most importantly, Richie, you know, have respect for yourself. And I think that was the big sort of key that unlocked, you know, for him and for me and for the viewer of like, you know, that's, that's his big, that was his block. That was his big mm-hmm. thing that he had to understand was, to, was like you said, going into a creative thing, you have to sort of respect the work, and, but definitely respect yourself and, uh, you know, part of that is presentation and part of that is, you know, um, I think what, you know, a lot of what he was going through was like, where, what is my place in all of this? You know, he says like, I'm, I'm not in Van Halen cause I'm like this. I'm like this because I'm in Van Halen. <laughs> it's like, you know, very much taking on that, that role of, uh, in the chaos, having control in the chaos and thriving off the chaos. And I think that can only take you so far, you know, you have to actually be able to, um, be able to have this sort of mental stability and be able to have um, be be able to be effective within the chaos, but also without, outside of the chaos. You know, you have to have control in both those realms. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just like, I need the chaos because the chaos makes me feel good. Blah, makes me feel things. <laughs> the only way I can feel things is if things are going bad and going heck and blah blah blah. So that was a really great sort of character arc for him and for the rest of the and for the season, and really great to see on the show just in general. Yeah, and definitely like that was the I really didn't like Richie throughout most of the show, and that was the yeah. episode where it really, really turned around. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, he's like, I, yeah, I like this guy now. Yes, exactly. So yeah, can't wait for next season whenever whenever that is. Probably going to be a very long time, <laughs> especially with yeah. everything going on. Uh, let's see. So you also checked out uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning: Colon Part One Dash Part One. Um, how many mm-hmm. of the Mission Impossible Mission Impossibles have you seen and enjoyed? I've seen I've seen them all. Uh, I've seen, seen all. all the nice. Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So like uh, you know, sorry to listeners. Yeah. Know, I, I've been off for a month, <laughs> so it's a lot to catch up on. It is. Uh, I know you yeah. guys talked about this last week as well. I did. Yeah. Um, but it'd be nice to yeah, talk to somebody that uh, actually saw them. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. put in you put in too many punctuations last time. There's there's no there's no second colon or semicolon. It's just I believe there Mission is. Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part I'll look One. Look this up. Go ahead. Yeah. Tell me what you thought uh, of this. Yeah. It's it's fine it's pretty good like yeah there's some i th- I'm, I'm i liked it a lot more than you did i think um but not as much as like it's weird i feel like people are really like like a lot of people are really being like this is one of the best ones or like yeah. this is one of the worst ones and i'm like it's fine it's an average macquarie it's about as the same as like rogue nation like it's it's like a better than average movie it's like a b minus c plus type movie yeah there's some incredible set pieces and action scenes in it that are just absolutely like this the the end where they're like jumping through the train incredible phenomenal um and it actually manages to be a part one with somewhat of a conclusion and ending but there's so like there's so much in this that i'm like i get that there's always a lot of machinations in these mission impossible movies but so much of this felt unnecessary was like if you uh one of these women is going to die because we're that's how fuck like i was just like oh come on like don't you don't have to like it's, it's whatever like can it be like not that i want him to die but like it's like 
wouldn't it like be make more sense if it was like Luther or Benji has to die like for yes. Ethan as a character? Yes. It's like nope, it has to be a brunette. And then like there's all that stuff about here's this backstory that was never mentioned before, and also apparently all the IMF are like like criminals, which is like well, even yeah. Benji, like who was just riding a desk in Mission Impossible Three, <laughs> yeah. like what I don't know. Like there's a lot. Like I was like you don't need the backstory for uh, Ethan about why he needs to, feels like he needs to protect everyone because that's the beginning of Mission Impossible 1 where yeah. his entire team dies in front of him right. because of Kittredge who's in this movie so like you <laughs> have that right there you don't need to add another backstory right. and another weird villain that's there the, the, the AI villain and I but there's so much good stuff in it too like it looks so good and like Haley Atwell's so good but they really the thing that I really didn't like the most of all was the way that this movie absolutely disrespected Rebecca Ferguson. Yes. Like, like she, Ilsa Faust is maybe my favorite character of the entire franchise and they kill her twice. Yep. And it's just like, she would absolutely murder Eli Morales <laughs> with a fucking sword. He had two little knives. He would yeah. be chopped in half. Yes. He, like, like, I don't know. Like she's just so, and they just felt like they're like, Oh, there's a new younger love interest for him. So let's just, kill her off i'm like she's the only person who's been ethan's equal and i don't know like it really it really bugged me not that just they killed her but like the really just way that they were like it has to be one of these women who's it going to be Ethan? right um right i do like though that the like and the thing is too i like that they're like we're gonna call back to mission impossible one we're gonna like be like kittredge is back we're gonna like remind you of the fact that the White Widow is Max's daughter from the first one, like Vanessa Redgrave, which I thought was great. Because they mentioned that, I think, in the last one, but they really drew it home here. Um, and then, but they're like, the first one is like this weird psycho thriller, and this one is like just a straight-up action movie where Ethan Hunt is like killing people and stuff. Yeah. And like, it, to, there is a tonal dissonance there, uh, especially since they're like, we're both like, going to hit a lot of the same beats. Like, it's going to end on a trade and stuff like that. Um, so I think that they... They missed a li- like that. That's a little weird because they're trying to replicate something in terms of like plot and like characters and stuff. But the series as a whole is just a different genre, and it and it's kind of doesn't gel in my opinion. But yeah. it's good. But but, but it's good. <laughs> but I'm very. Good. I'm so conflicted about this movie. Yeah, I'm so conflicted. I, I did, there's like genuinely phenomenal, like amazing things in it. But it's so frustrating at the same time. Sure, I hear you. Um, I think with a lot of things, like you were talking about with Loki, um, this in a vacuum, pretty good. I would give it higher marks if I hadn't seen, you know, just this year, so many uh, action movies that have done action, in my opinion, um, quite a bit better. Specifically, mm-hmm. John Wick 4. I think if John Wick 4 hadn't come out this year, I'd be like, I'd give this movie. A little bit higher marks, um, and just like yeah. I said, uh, yeah, the last time Extraction it was Extraction just... Two. I would also say, like, yes. th- that's that's phenomenal in that movie, that action. Yes, and it, you know they 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 talked about this a few times on different podcasts. I'm surprised they didn't mention it. Like I said, it's John Wick Four had better action, but also better scene in uh, the same exact location. The um, the, oh, the stairs or whatever. Not the stairs. Maybe the stairs too, but also the uh, Arctic Arctic Triumph. Did they, did they have a scene in John McFour 
and in this movie where they're both oh yeah because yeah 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 okay the stairs was in i think fast x is what it was yes Yes, yes. Yeah, but there was parts where they're like, oh, this is like the like this is just a night John Wick nightclub. And then there's parts where he's like riding around a little car. I'm like, this is Jason Bourne. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned that. Like mentioned- Jason Bourne used to Jason Bourne is all about riding around little cars through Europe. Exactly. I mentioned like uh uh the the Bourne Identity three or no. Yeah, the Bourne Supremacy Bourne, uh, Ultimatum. Uh, Ultimatum, sorry, Ultimatum, Ultimatum was three, yeah. yeah. Three had great car chases. They all did, but especially yeah. three. And um, Moby would be playing. And Moby would be playing exactly <laughs> some of my favorite moments of the of uh, the mid two thousands watching those movies. But anyways, uh, yeah, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One too long. I think uh, there's mm. there's been a few like viral tweets and and TikToks to be like, why are movies so long? I think I don't think it's the length necessarily because you I, I like um, I forget who said it. I think it was maybe Spielberg or or. Um, What's his name? Ebert said, like, there's a good movie can't be too long and a bad movie can't be too short. So I think, mm. you know, I yeah. watch anything as long as, as it's good, but this is not great. Um, yeah. So two hours, 45, 43 minutes for a part one. Not great. Um, probably yeah. could have, like a lot of things, I think this will, I think our, definitely mine, maybe our take on it will be significantly different uh, depending on how mm-hmm. the quality of the next one, like we said, with um, Across the Spider-Verse. Um but yeah, the too too long, too many characters, too many characters introduced. Yeah. Like you said, too many uh, fridgings, way too many fridgings. <laughs> One yes. is too many. This movie had three. Um, if you're if you're counting the the backstory, right, the meta backstory right. for for him. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Also, uh, just one more thing I want to just yes. add. Yes. Jay Wiggum. Jay Wiggum. So great. Jay <laughs> He's just such a good. Whatever do Jay Wiggum comes in as a cop who's just frustrated. He's like. Yes. Yeah, the season hunt guy is a shape shifting agent of chaos. Of, like whatever the fuck he says. I, I love, love Shea Wiggum. Yeah, Shea Wiggum and also uh, uh, Kitteridge. Was it Kitteridge or was it Carrie Elwes that was doing the like audience proxy of like who are these people? Who's paying That's them? Carrie, that was Carrie Elwes. Yes. Yeah. Who's paying them for what missions? They're doing what now? Out of outside of any any no accountability whatsoever. Okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah, that was, that was something. Uh, let's see. Uh, going back to me real quick. Uh, one thing I dipped into, speaking of things I dipped into, was dark. I've heard great things about this from Mallory Rubin and Joanne Robertson, talking about um, when they talk about Stranger Things and time travel stuff and, and things like that. They definitely mentioned dark as being one of the best of them, and I did did very much like the first three episodes. Um, it's like if going back to David Lynch. Seems like if David Lynch made Stranger Things, um, it has, it's a German show. But um, do you remember? Do, do you remember the episode in um, Poker Face where they were, they were in the old folks' homes and they were doing? They were all watching those like Norwegian crime thrillers, trying to figure out who did it. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great, great episode. Yes. So it, I very much <laughs> felt like one of those people of watching this, like very dark uh, Norwegian show, but it is German. But uh, yeah, yeah, it seems like it's going to be a great, great show. Um, dark on Netflix. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know, before we get before we get to the big stuff, the Oppenheimers and all that, you went to Comic-Con. Uh, that was why you weren't on, on the show a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how many Comic-Cons have you been to? Uh, this one. This is the only the, time I've ever been to Comic-Con. My first old- one. The only one. Have you been to other cons? I had been to one other con earlier this yep. year, WonderCon. Gotcha. And then I went to this thing that was like sort of a con, but it was also mostly a music festival, but it was like also a comedy festival. 
that so like really this is like the second con I've been to. Yeah. Um, that was like a real con. And also, but for multiple different reasons, sort of a more laid back, quieter, quieter con. Um, due to the the writer strike and the actor strike, I heard a lot of people weren't weren't uh, showing up to that. Um, but overall, how did you like uh, Comic Con? Well, it wasn't quiet, that's for sure. Uh, oh, okay. It was still like, especially if you went on the floor, it was still a fucking madhouse. Yep. Um, and I think so. I think you know the thing is, yeah, like there wasn't like all the the big actor panels and the Hall H like previews of like fucking whatever movie and stuff yeah. but that's not that's not what i am interested in. i don't go to that stuff i don't wait on the lines to go watch a trailer like i don't like tra- you know i don't like trailers so why yes. would i wait in the line for four hours <laughs> to watch a fucking trailer yes that's, that's the dumbest thing um so like i go more to just kind of like check out the vibes and like check out the costumes and walk the floor a little bit but mostly to go to like panels and to like actually learn things to like you know either like listen to people that I, like i caught up one panel that had Duncan Jones on it, you know, one of my uh, favorite directors. Um, he, get to hear him talk about some stuff. A lot of I went to a lot of panels that were kind of like industry people, you know, telling stories and giving advice and things like that. Uh, then I got to see some friends panels as well. That's that's really what my whole vibe is. So I was not going to interact with that part of Comic Con. It was cool to also just kind of like walk around because it's. Have you ever been to Comic Con? Have not. Nope. Only so been like, to one like con. Okay, because it's it's so big that like, and I didn't know this, but like, there's the the convention hall, which is like an insane con, and then you go to like the Marriott next door, and there's it's so big that they have like panels there and like like a bunch of like things, like they have like game rooms and like a pinball room and like a place where you can play Magic the Gathering, and there's like film rooms and stuff, and it's like an entire second con at the Marriott that it would be like this is like a that is like the low key con, like it's it's not low key, it's still pretty busy. But like compared to what you just came through, like it's nuts. And I think there was even stuff at the Hilton at the uh, on the hotel on the other side. So it, it and then you walk behind it and there's like it's like oh cool there's like a Futurama thing where like there's like a Fox animation thing. I'm gonna try and get in that. And they're like I'm looking like the line is like four hours and you need to have like an app to get in the lottery. And I'm like oof. nope fuck that. Like big, I like Futurama but no I, I'm oof, not about yeah. that. I'm just here to like yeah. have a good time. Yep. Not waiting a bunch of lines for things <laughs> to get an exclusive tote or whatever. Yeah. I did buy oh, one thing. Funko I did Pop. buy. I did buy because I went. I had to go to the Studio Ghibli booth. Nice. That was that was on the floor because I I'm a I'm a big old weeb, you know. Yep. And I had to get my Studio <laughs> Ghibli thing, so I got my my cat bus towel. So that nice. goes sits now. I have a cat bus uh, bath towel, which now sits next to my Gigi hand towel. So I've got two cat ta- two Ghibli cat towels now <laughs> in my nice. bedroom or my uh, bathroom. So yep. you know it's on point. It's on theme. Yes. <laughs> Nice, very cool. So um, you got a, a couple uh, photo ops, one with um, Starhead Goofy. Yeah, yeah. I, nice. I, uh, so I didn't know who he was. I still don't really know who he is. I guess I, I saw he had a picture with Tom Cruise, so I guess he's kind yes. of a big deal. It's pretty cool. But yes, uh, I met up with like one of the things I was doing at the con was mostly just um, going to like talk with a lot of my friends who are there at the panels and stuff like that, and to. Uh, one of my friends who I do a pot I've been on his podcast a couple times. Uh, lives in San Diego, so we were uh, my friend Thomas um, from the do- Joystick Show. Uh, so I was talking to him, and he I guess has interviewed Straw Hat Goofy a couple times, and he walked by and he's like, "Hey, this is this guy." 
And I was like, cool. And he's like, you want to take a picture? I'm like, sure, sure. And I was like talking to him. And he's like, oh, I'm Juju. I'm like, oh, cool. Nice to meet you. I'm Derek. And then we were on. He's like, do you know who that guy was? This guy like 8 million fucking 800,000 followers, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, that's pretty cool. That's really rad. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've been following him for a while. It's very interesting to see, like, because when I first started following him, maybe 18 months ago, um, mm. he was, I don't know how many followers he had, but he was very much like, very clear that it was just sort of sort of what we do, you know, in our, in our living room or in our back room or whatever. He was making videos like that, um, really good videos, really good, um, you know, production value. Put a lot of work into it, um, and then you start seeing him like at a movie premiere, and like, oh, that's cool. Just uh, you know, one of those like um, press people that will get get a press pass and be able to get like a quick you know interview with the actors or whatever. And then it just like mm-hmm. snowballs from there very quickly of him like moving into a bigger house, better you know lighting and all that. And then just seeing him at like bigger and bigger events. And then he goes to like you know the like I said he went I think he went to Rome for both the Fast X and the Mission Impossible uh, premieres. So yeah, it's very very interesting to see like you can actually do- like. Being able to, you know, document the progression from a guy like that where he's, you know, literally starting out in his living room making videos for a few thousand people, then getting to where he is now. Very cool. Yeah, seemed like a chill guy, you know. Yeah. Getting to get in talk to him. He seemed like a very down to earth nice guy. Yes, yeah, yeah, very much is. Uh so yeah, any you know, any other stories from uh from Comic Con? Yeah, just you know that uh you know, going out, getting, grabbing some drinks and stuff with the fr- with friends afterward was was always a good time. Walking through the Gaslight District, you know, that's it's right there. Um, and but yeah, it's it's absolutely exhausting. Because um, you know, I I got it, I got a five day pass because I got in um, because I was actually uh, photo press for one of my friends' panels. Um, so you know, it was it was cool just hanging out. God, I got the whole experience. But holy crap, I was done. I was done yeah. when when <laughs> it was over. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, being, I don't know how introverted, how, how introverted you are, but yeah, I definitely have like, yeah, I'm just going to go out and like do whatever. <laughs> I went to yeah. uh, um, PAX East a few years ago and mm-hmm. yeah, just after the day of just going, seeing, watching panels, um, you know, shopping around, um, PAX East is pretty much trying to think if there was anything really because they didn't have it's not like comic-con where they'll, well, they'll have like a lot of booths um just mm-hmm. around it's very much just like panel focused and i mean they just they have like a show floor of like they'll they'll have um you know game developers showing off like you know alpha builds beta builds of their games uh, that'll be out you know later 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 in the year um you can you can check that stuff out but but by and large it very much is just like back-to-back panels like you it's not like i'm a con where you have to like you said <laughs> sign up for the thing and wait hours and hours in line it was um it was kind of smaller panels uh, red versus blue rooster teeth was there that was mm-hmm. the main one i was interested in so i saw that got to ask, got to ask a question um you know p- people like giant bomb were there so it was a lot of like very niche like if you listen to a video game podcast, you would go there for, for that. So it's very much mm-hmm. more just, like I said, for panels, for, for Q&As and meeting, meeting game devs in that way. So that's pretty much all I yeah. did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to probably try and get some panels coming up at, at you know, WonderCon, Comic-Con, yeah. PAX West even maybe. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. We will see. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the big ones, uh, let me take a break, go to the bathroom, and uh, we'll be back to talk about Barbie – Barben, uh, the Barbenheimer? Is it Barbenheimer? Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Right, there you right, go. Yeah, right after the break. See you in a minute. 
And we are back, going to talk some Barbenheimer. Um, so yeah, let me know. Tell me about your experience for both of these. Did you see both in IMAX, only one in IMAX? How did you see these movies? Uh, so I wanted to go see... Um, well, Barbie's not in IMAX, right? It's, Oppenheimer has an exclusive on it, right? Oh, gotcha. Well, Pretty I mean, sure. I mean, like, like we said before, like they'll have like... What, what is it called? Um, Limax, like those... Well, IMAX type. Uh, there's like theaters. the Dolby's and stuff. Yes. And like, they, yeah, there's a lot of those. Yes. There's a lot more of those. I assume Barbie um, was at one of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's because, yeah, there's, you know, uh, yeah. so I actually didn't get to see either of them in IMAX. I wanted uh. to see uh, Oppenheimer in IMAX, but I was recording another podcast. And then, so I missed the 631 or the 621. And then there wasn't another one till 1030. So I was like, I'm just going to see this shit on a normal screen. Uh, and yeah. then for Barbie, I didn't see that in IMAX because I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I ran out of time. Oh no! Uh, tried to see it, um, but yeah, there's a yeah, there's a, only so many hours in the day. And I was gonna Through see that. it. I originally had was gonna see it at opening weekend, but I was at Comic Con, and then <laughs> uh, then I had to watch. Then I watched Haunted Mansion, and I watched Oppenheimer, which is a three hour movie. So yeah, I, I didn't have time for Barbie afterward, and a it's... lot of things going on this week. So unfortunately, just. Yeah, cards didn't line up. No problemo. Um, at your up higher screening, did you see people wearing pink going into the Barbie screening? Uh, I did not. Anybody uh, dressing I, up? I, I think it was probably it was probably too late for that. You know, I yeah. saw it like last Wednesday or something. This Wednesday or something. So just a couple oh, days ago. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, my screenings for. Barbie, I did a, I did the dual Barbie and Oppenheimer. Did the full experience. <laughs> so Oppenheimer first. Mm-hmm. I went to see Barbie, like you said. Like you, I think we talked about the uh, the the correct order or the the order that I think was most correct was seeing Oppenheimer first, um, taking yeah. a break, taking a walk, thinking about your life, thinking about your entire life. Yeah, you gotta you gotta. I don't know if he's listening, but like, dude, you gotta yeah. you gotta rethink things but <laughs> yeah gotta think about your whole life before you make the bomb um yeah. <laughs> what was that? i was watching i was watching somebody yeah uh, i think it might have been like the film cast or something but they they might have been quoting a tweet or something which is like this is the order you yep. watch barbie yep and then you stop right at the scene where she says guys do you ever think about death and then you watch all the oppenheimer <laughs> and then it ends on that line and then you go back to watching barbie Yes, exactly. All right, so with with all that out of the way, what did you think of Oppenheimer? I I liked it a lot. Uh, yep. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, it it's it is you know a bit long, but you don't really feel its length. Uh, I think yeah, it's it's overall just a really like really well made, interesting uh, character study about a very very flawed person. Excuse me, just like really good like anti-war movie it starts out with it being like oh well we've gotta we've gotta stop the nazis because the nazis are gonna get this bomb and you know he's like i'm jewish so we've got to do it and like it becomes like this is like a very noble thing creating this bomb and then it like becomes like the more and more it goes along it's like well actually the nazis are gonna lose and like hitler's dead so we're still but we're still building the bomb yeah because we're still fighting the japanese and well can we use this morally like we were building this just so that the Nazis wouldn't get it. Yeah, but the the Japanese probably won't give up unless we 
bomb them. And I liked how they were like, yeah, we firebombed the shit out of Tokyo, which actually like did do a lot more damage than either of the bombs yes. in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Like, watch yep. Grave of the Fireflies, and that shit will fuck you up. That that's beside the point. But they like they they kind of have they are able to rationalize the you this nuclear war, and then you know through them doing this, the if they hadn't done this, then. The Soviets, they wouldn't, we wouldn't have nukes, but also the Soviets wouldn't have had spies at uh, Los Alamos, and then they wouldn't have had nukes, or like if they did, it would have been much, much later. And how this all just kind of kickstarted the Cold War, and all that's really interesting. Uh, I don't know about you, but I really liked that there was so many, there was a lot of guys in this movie, you know? There was, yeah. Like, like, I, like, you know, you talked about a little bit last week the Josh Hartnett of it all. I'm, I'm also (laughs) all in for the Josh Hartnett Renaissance. I love the whole Josh. Yes. You know, I uh, to quote Patrick Willems, I heart heart in it, you know, <laughs> uh, so it was so good. And his hair was so good in this. Uh, but then you're like, you're like, oh, there's so many guys. So you're like, that's the Stranger Things guy, Matthew Modine. Oh, that's <laughs> freaking Josh. You know, oh, that's, you know, like there's there's like and it's it's really good because you're like, oh, he like this is a guy that you kind of know. And yeah. so it helps you remember like, oh, yeah. That's who this character is, because there's so many do like just guys in this. There's so many guys. You're like, who the fuck is this? Who's the fuck? Oh, like he was this guy. Oh, that's Benny Safdie. He's that guy. He's so Benny he's Safdie. the guy who betrayed him like earlier. Okay, so like you you recognize <laughs> them because they're all like BT BC list actors. So they stick in your brain, and you're like, that's who this character was in this moment. Yeah. Um, uh, as and, you know, so a lot of guys, not as many girls. Because hey, it's a Nolan movie, and I get the subject sure. matter, yeah, you know. But whatever. But like, sure, you know, yeah. and this movie handles women slightly better than Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. So <laughs> just you know, slightly. not great, yeah. no. just slightly, uh, you know. But yeah, Emily Blunt's I think defining characteristics were that she loves alcohol and she doesn't want to have kids. And just I'm like, I can relate that. to that. I had to make that perfectly perfectly clear throughout the entire movie. Yeah. 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 Until she gives her a big speech or whatever, and she's like, actually, I'm great, and my husband is great, and you're a dumbass. 17 years. No, 18 years since I was a communist. Well, yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. (laughs) Liked it a lot. Liked it a lot. I would see it again. I would watch again on IMAX or something, you know? Maybe I'll have to go back. Where do you rank this amongst the uh, Christopher Nolan films? I would say, I it's it's it's. I I really like Nolan. Yep. Uh, I like a lot of his movies. Inception's one of my favorite films. Um, I think that it's you know it's I think this and Dunkirk you could really put in a different category than a lot of his stuff. Right. Um, because a lot of his stuff is more kind of speculative genre stuff, um, whereas these are like those are like World War Two movies. Um, uh, I think yeah. But yeah, I, I'd say it's definitely a vast improvement from Tenet, which I thought was probably his worst movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's good. You know, it's it's yeah. it's. <laughs> if anybody else made this, it would be one of their best movies ever. But I think like, I just like a lot of Nolan stuff a lot better, to be honest. And he's <laughs> the best thing about Nolan is he's he. It's like him and maybe Tarantino are like the only guys who can just be like, I'm just gonna make this thing. It's not connected to any IP. Like I know it's based on like a book or whatever, but yeah. nobody's like, ah, oh, I can't wait to see the adaptation of American Prometheus. Like that's not a fucking thing. <laughs> well, I'm, so, I'm sure like, people. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sure like, he's just the one guy yeah. who can open like an original movie yes. and have it do this well at the box office. Yeah, I'm sure people said that about like um, Killers of the Flower Moon, 
is another one. They're like, yeah, I can't wait to see that movie about the the murder of Osage County I mean, Native Americans. That's a book that people actually like read. Like book people like that book a lot, but like, you know, and that movie is yeah. not going to like as much as I love that movie and Scorsese's. He's kind of a guy who can open a movie. Yeah. Not based on anything. He's not really like he still is like this has to be an Apple deal now because. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's and that's see. fucking Martin Scorsese. Like. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I was going to say stuff. Just some things I forgot to mention last time. Uh, one of the big things I left out was the score by Ludwig Göransson. Um, incredible. You know, just it, it, I think yeah. that helps a lot in propelling the story forward and definitely helps you stay locked in for the three hours of guys in rooms talking. <laughs> I mentioned this before. I forget what movie I was talking about, but just love. That's one of my big loves is and one of the big reasons I love this movie so much. And it's I, I have it at number one. Uh, Christopher Nolan movie for me. Um, you know, wow. I love guys and guys in rooms talking. Yep, it's uh, number one with the bullet. It's on. It's more on Letter- the prestige. It's more. It's uh. It's on Letterbox, so it is official. Yep. One, uh, one above the prestige. I have prestige number two, Interstellar three, Dark Knight four, Tenet five. So Tenet five. Tenet, Tenet above five. Inception and in. Oh. No, 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 no. Pre- uh, sorry. What did you say? When- Oppenheimer number one, uh, prestige number two, Interstellar number three. Dark Knight number four and Tenet is number five. So Tenet is above Inception. It is above Inception. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought you said Interstellar. So yeah, it's no, a no, Tenet. No, Inception. Tenet That's above crazy. That's Inception. crazy talk. Tenet above Inception. You need to be in jail. <laughs> uh, it's above uh, Batman Begins. I think Batman Begins is, you know, it's it, people have revisited it and are like, oh, actually, this is pretty good. No, actually, Katie Holmes no, drags, I like, dragged that movies down a lot. That. Batman Begins is incredible. <laughs> I've loved it since day fucking okay. one. I don't okay. revisit shit. That movie's great. <laughs> so Gorgon's score definitely helps you, you know, makes the time go by a lot faster. Listening to that thing just, just truck by. I, I, I've listened to that score separately. I think that's a big... Um, Big point of pride when you're talking about uh, a score from a movie is if you can listen to it um, beyond the movie itself, if it works beyond the movie itself, if a video game score uh, works beyond the game itself, that's a, that is a great score. That's a mark of a good of a great score. Um, so that's mm-hmm. definitely in there. Um, yeah, like you said, the guys, all of these guys. Um, so many dudes. Rami Malek. If you, I couldn't. I was trying to look Guy, for a picture yeah. of uh, David Hill, but David Hill apparently looked just like. Rami Malek. Um, mm. There's a scene in, the, in this movie where um, it's, I think it's near the middle where he was, somebody came, approached uh, Oppenheimer and was like, can you sign this document saying you're against, you know, them using this in war? And he's like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sign that. And Malek, Rami Malek comes up to him with the, with the, uh, with the notepad on the, on the board and he swats it out of his hand and <laughs> Rami Malek picks up the board and he slowly comes up to frame and just those big fucking eyes. <laughs> we're laughing in the theater at this. Um, another another part where people were just like shocked, but also laughing at how uncomfortable, uncomfortably fucked up it was when you mentioned this about them talking about them firebombing Tokyo and they were having the meeting about deciding on which uh, cities to target, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where the guy yeah. was um, saying we can't, Target Kyoto because he wants to fucking vacation there. (sighs) People were like, just, you could hear people gasping. What was people's reaction to that scene in your theater? I mean, I had a relatively quiet theater, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
some of the people that were in this that I that I uh, picked up on because I'm a big fan of their work is Macon Blair. I uh, was playing Garrison, the uh, Oppenheimer's um, defense attorney in that in that scene. He was very good in that. Um, like you said, Josh Peck was great. Uh, really, really loved. Uh, like you said, Benny Safdie uh, had a great. I think uh, accents are hard too. <laughs> I think as yeah. I think it was a Hungarian accent he had on there uh, throughout the movie. He was very good in that. Jason Clark, obviously, in that entire uh, interrogation scene, was great. Um, what did you make of the sort of um, moments where? Oppenheimer is having sex and they're they're cutting back and forth between him having sex and they're like, did you fuck that commie? Did you fuck that commie, mommy? <laughs> he's, they're in the room and he's talking about him and he's they're they're, they're going at it in in the same room. What did you would you make of that kind of stuff? I don't know. I was like, it's Florence Pugh, of course. Like, who wouldn't like? Well, it's Florence yes. Pugh. Have you seen her? But I did don't it care work? If she's a communist. Did it work for you in terms of like? Was this absurd that they were intersplicing that scene? Would that did it? What specifically when when the heavens sex and she brings over the the Vishnu book or whatever and she opens it up and the, he was like, yeah, I can read Sanskrit. And she's like, what does this mean? And there, as she mounts him, he says the, the, the line, "I am become death destroyer of worlds." So a lot of that stuff worked for me because, um, and I I wonder if it would have played for me as well if I hadn't heard like that somebody. I think it was Nolan who was like. Basically, all of the black and white stuff is objective, and then the color stuff is subjective, or it's his memories. Yeah. And I think that really does play, and, like, it's probably not how any of that happened, you know? Right. Like, even to the point where, like, in the book American Prometheus, it's like, oh, yeah, he said this thing to Truman, and Truman, like, did like dangled the handkerchief. And it's like, that probably actually didn't happen, according right. to like, people who knew Truman and stuff like that who was sat in the room but like these are his like memories these are the way he's remembering things like you know that scene where it gets like like you know nolan is pretty he doesn't do a lot of like he's very formalist in his approach to filmmaking he doesn't do a lot of things that aren't like real that don't look like they're actually happening but then there's that scene where like jason clark is like yelling at him and everything's like and so like in his memory he's like thinking like oh yeah like Florence Pugh like being on riding on it in the fucking scene or whatever and then blunts over there like it makes sense as like film is like memory which is something that Nolan has clearly played with before in yep. you know his best movie Inception about how like the diff- <laughs> like the you know our memories and how those are all like distorted and they're all very dreamlike and they're very much like movies yeah uh, and I think he uses the cinematic language um, to really get that point across that this is just kind of this isn't necessarily exactly what happened, but this is the way it happened in his memory. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really well said. Um, yeah, and the stuff with the 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 point about being from his perspective, like this is this is a movie from Oppenheimer's perspective and from mm-hmm. Le- Leslie Strauss's perspective, mm-hmm. which makes sense that you know you don't have a lot of other characters perspective you don't have a lot of other characters being included in this and being spotlighted in this and also that's the reason you don't um see a lot of um uh, consideration when it comes to the japanese that were you know killed with the with the weapon that he, that he helped create it's also a reason you don't see a lot of the atrocities when it comes to them forcibly removing uh native people from their land which they mm-hmm. which they actually did so that stuff matters and it's important and it's part of the story but that's not his story you know that's not the story being told here mm-hmm. you know so i think a lot of that a lot of that um criticism is i don't know less valid than i think people think it is you know yeah no i hear you yeah yeah it's just just great i think uh 
yeah, like I said, definitely one of my favorite uh, Nolan movies, one of my favorites of the year. If you had to think about mm-hmm. sort of your list right now, where, where do you think that sets in, ter- in terms of the movies from this year? I mean, I've got it's on my uh, my long list. I yeah. I put it on my list of like movies that I'm considering for my my top ten. Um, I mean, I think that there's there's been a lot of movies this year that are about a person. They're like the 2023 product biopics. There's been at least four other ones. Yes, and I think this is probably in the top five. You know, I'd say BlackBerry maybe edges out a little bit, um, but it's better than Flame and Hot and Air. Maybe it's about the same as Tetris. I really like Tetris. Yes. When it's about, hey, here's a guy, and he's or some guys, and they're making a thing, and uh, they're inventing a thing, <laughs> yeah. and it might be a shoe, or it might be a video game, or a Cheeto, or it might be the atomic fucking bomb. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know. I've, I've, I'd characterize it more as a biopic than a uh, a product product pick. I don't know if that's what we're calling. Yeah, but this. it's fun to categorize it with all these other things that came out of about that. Yes. Like, oh, was... remember when those crazy Canadians were making the BlackBerry phone? Yeah, well, do you remember when all those crazy scientists were cooking up that atomic bomb? <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of uh, product picks, uh, Barbie was very good. And I said it last week, and you probably you, you heard my thoughts on it, but this reiteration since we're talking about the Barbie Heimer experience. Uh, yeah, great. Had a great experience going to there. People were dressed up as pink. People were saying hi, Barbie, to each, to each other. Yes, uh, the other half of the Barbie Heimer experience I, I enjoyed very much as well. I did I did at Comic-Con see a shit ton of people dressed up like Ken. There gotcha. were so many Kens. There was <laughs> with the, the, the tie-dye visor and everything. I was like, oh, man, this is great. Yes, can't, can't wait to get your thoughts on that as well. Um, do you want to go quickly go through uh, Elemental? You saw this as well. Yeah, Elemental yeah. was... Elemental. Um, yes, uh, I was a little <laughs> bit late to the party, but then so were a lot of people. This is yes, a movie that uh, came out the same week as The Flash. Uh, it got beat by The Flash, which famously opened really poorly, so this one opened even more poorly. Uh, but unlike The Flash, which clearly just tanked so badly that right now you can get it as an NFT, the entire movie, <laughs> um, <laughs> Elemental's still in theaters and still is, um, you know, making decent money. It's it's had incredibly strong holds, and you know it is hard, easier to hold when uh, you you have a weak opening. But as we saw with The Flash, you can have a weak opening and still have bad holds. And this is. Two thirds of a really great movie, um, because I I think that as some other people have pointed out, there's really three driving factors in this film. There's the love story that is kind of this love story about different cultures, um, like two characters from different cultures. Um, that's all really strong, and the way they use utilize the world building with this this fi- the fire people and the water people. And what that means for them to be together and, you know, living in this whole world about is with the elements. You also get like the cloud or the air people and the and the the earth people. That's all really cool. Uh, it's also a story about it's like Im- an immigrant st- uh, story. It's about a f- someone being a first generation um, born in like, you know, a, a new w- world and what that all is. That's all really strong. The part that doesn't work for me is that it feels like it has to be a fun Pixar movie with an adventure in it. Yeah. And I would have liked it so much more if it was like, let's, you know, you don't need it. It, it shows up in the beginning for the, to set up the stakes and to introduce the characters and then kind of disappears throughout most of the second act. But then it, that like adventure, like, Oh, things are happening has to be the, the big you know finale. 
And I would have much rather have it been like, oh, like this is just a story. Maybe maybe you keep that to introduce them, but you don't you don't need to have that just because it's a kids Pixar movie and needs to have all these adventure things. You can be have it be a slow introspective movie and you know just have it be about these two people and you know it's still kids will still like it because it's fire and water people but yeah i don't know it it felt held back by that a little bit um it's that wasn't it wasn't terrible but it felt it felt like a relic it felt unnecessary it felt like it didn't need to be in this particular film yeah it felt like um you know the the newest the most contemporary Pixar is doing wildly different things. You know, it's got the mm-hmm. got Encanto, you got like Soul from a few years ago. And then this just, like you said, it probably felt like somewhere in an awkward, uh, awkward medium point between those two movies. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's not a bad way to put it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so seeing uh, the history of the uh, Minnesota Vikings this is a sports doc you checked out. Yeah. Yeah, so episode one came out, you know, I always like the, whenever these come out, they do, well, John Boyce and Alex Rubenstein do one of these big long-form docu-series a year. Um, usually it's about a team, the Atlanta Falcons, Seattle Mariners. Uh, this year was the Minnesota Vikings, and it is off to another really great start. A lot of just these, because John uh, doesn't like to tell stories about the teams that are the best or the teams that have won most Super Bowls, so spoiler alert, you know, the Vikings have never won the Super Bowl. Uh, they've come heartbreakingly close a number of times, but he says he likes to tell stories that are the most interesting, which team has the most interesting stories. And the Vikings, even in this, this first episode, like the very early years, have had some really bizarre, interesting stories. And it's the stuff that I love about sports. I, I love sports because it gives you all of these stories that are so human. Like, you really are connected to just these individuals and love hearing their stories and these weird circumstances. And it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating the way he uses graphs and charts. It's so minimalistic and, and interesting. And I'm all on board for, for this, this new season that he's putting out here. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I sent you a chart the other day where I was like, look at my stats. I'm a steady boy. And you're like, yeah, you should definitely <laughs> watch stuff like yeah. this. If you like stats and numbers and shiny, uh, shiny grass in your face. Yes. You absolutely. I think one that you honestly, Damien, I, I, the one you should start out with is the yes. Bob emergency. Okay. Watch, watch the Bob emergency. And that's a good litmus test. I think either that or the saddest, punt, the search for the saddest punt in the world. I think that's a good litmus test. If you like that, I think you'll like some other stuff. Cause those are, I'd say good introductions. They're relatively short. They're not like big docu series. They're more like a movie um, length. So, Check nice, it out. very cool. So that's uh, some of the stuff we've been watching this week. Let's get to summer movie wager. This is uh, oh big... now you're now you're bringing it up now that you're in the lead. <laughs> you didn't big... mention it on the last couple of shows. Big shit. You know I haven't mentioned it. That's true. Um, Big shakeup, man. This, is, this, is, this stuff is this stuff is nuts. This is incredible. I so mm-hmm. for those that you know don't listen or have haven't been caught up, I made some fumbles, big time fumbles, and I was like, all right, well, I'm just, this is gonna be a wash. Just let's try again next year. Uh, apparently, forgetting Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and Fast X uh, kind of helped me help me out quite a bit in this crazy <laughs> crazy world that we're living in right now. So, where do you want to start? Let's start with Barbie. Number one, 
with a bullet. Domestic box office, $406 million. Uh, everybody here on the list here, uh, you, me, everybody else has three points because it's currently <laughs> sitting at uh, – Barbie is sitting at – well, number one. But everyone else probably had it way lower, a lot lower. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big story is for me, myself, and I, <laughs> is that I have I had Oppenheimer at number five. So that's given me ten points. I got ten points yes. from that. You have three that are spot on. Three? And that is – Spot yeah. on BB, Oppenheimer, number five, Transformers Rise of the Beast at number seven, and Elemental at number 10. The only person other. By the way, Transformers, I didn't even have on my list because I didn't have room for it because I had to put on Fast Five and because <laughs> I had Fast Five and Indiana Jones. Yeah. But fast... you, so I got one fucking point for my Dark Horse pick for it. <laughs> I'm beating everyone in the summer movie wager. I'm beating all the fucking hosts of the actual show. Yeah, except for I'm Peter. At least tied You're tied with the first place person, yeah. Peter. Theory, but I'm yes. fucking losing to you. And you're fucking beating you by six goddamn points. You're like like number fucking 150 or some shit. I'm 105. Like 3,000 something people. I'm 105 Jesus globally. Christ. I'm 105 like, globally. I'm like in the top almost 400. I'm like killing it. I'm, you're kicking my ass. You're doing a fucking lap around me. It's, like, just it's like I'm. I'm just to like show I'm, you. Oh my Nobody God. Knows like I, I, Nobody knows anything. Nobody knows anything when it comes to Hollywood. Like you, you got. You emailed someone because you all emailed the guy at the summer movie where you're like, hey, I forgot Fast X. Could you please up. change it? And the guy I was like, no. Up. No, we can't. And then that's okay, gonna fine. Be, and that's just, yeah, fine. The Fast X isn't even going to – it's not even going to be on the thing. Nope. It's going to – it's – oh, my God. This Fast X – Fast 10 has no points. It's number 10. So I, I, I could get some points for that. Um, it's, no, it's, it's, well, it's number 10. But, Damien, by the time this yes. is out – Look at the look at the look at right below it. Mission Impossible is yeah. is only about a yep. million dollars behind it. True, it's gonna make a million dollars because Fast X is out of the box office. Mission right. Impossible, so I have is gonna probably pat is probably gonna be number nine by the time yeah. this airs. But I have it at number two. So there's a few, a few things that I'm gonna mm-hmm. not get many points on. Obviously, the ones I don't have, yeah. uh, Indiana Jones and Fast Ten, zero points for that. Also zero points for Fast Ten. No one's gonna get points. It's gonna fall out of the top ten. It, it's Damon. probably it, it, yes. It's true. gonna no. It's only a million dollars ahead of Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible yeah. is going to pass this. It probably has. Yeah. When we're talking about this, you just haven't taken the results for Friday yet. By the time sure. people are gonna be like listening to this podcast yeah. and seeing like what are they talking about? Fast X isn't even on anymore because it's gonna be Monday <laughs> and like. And um, by then, fucking Sound of Freedom will be like number four or some shit. Well, that's yeah, that's the big story too of why this thing is so just fucked up. Um, Sound of Freedom has 156 million dollars. That's 400 thousand less than Rise of the Beast. So that's it's, yeah, it's so gonna, you're gonna lose. You're gonna it's gonna knock you out your Transformers down a little bit. You're gonna lose a little bit of a little bit of points, points. for that. Yeah, I need. I could. I could still beat you if like everything fucking breaks my way. Like <laughs> yeah. if like if like tra- if like if like Transformers gets beat by like Mission Impossible and Elemental and yeah. Sound of Freedom, yeah. then like, then I'll you know, and then like Oppenheimer beats Little Mermaid, then yeah. maybe I'll have a chance. Like there, I just absolutely everything has to go right for me for this to fucking work. It's just insane. It's, it's like it's Ridiculous. like it's like somebody coming into like you know a uh, a, f- a f- fantasy football league and just be like and I, I sports ball whatever and just being like auto drafting or whatever and then them winning the entire thing. It's basically what how that worked. <laughs> that is exactly what it's like. It exactly was like yep, incredible. 
one of the craziest summers ever. Um, yeah. Is, is stuff still going to come out? Because I think there's nothing else left to come out that... There's stuff that's coming out, but nothing is going to... I unless, I, I swear to God, because you had Meg, Meg 2 at number 10. If the fucking Meg 2 like, <laughs> hits at number 10, I will drive to your... I will drive across the country and murder yeah, you, will. Damien. Yeah, good. That'll be a great, great podcasting story. <laughs> uh, so there's that. That's incredible. Incredible. Again, we're talking about... We'll, uh, somebody will make a documentary on this, a YouTube documentary, and then you'll come on here and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> honestly so, oh my god yes incredible incredible uh so any letterbox assignments you watched you had chloe and once upon a time in the west you talked about not having a bunch of time so probably didn't get to those yes no i was gonna do it last night i ended up editing yeah. my podcast so that's fine that that's didn't fine. happen i um i had judgment in Nuremberg. i'm just like no i watched i already watched one depressing very long movie yeah. The, this week so yeah didn't, i saw you didn't put i you saw you didn't put yours in the doc so i was like well then he didn't watch it so i didn't no. watch it yeah never mind it's fine uh let's just for shows and giggles i'll uh do a mix here because i think i put some more right. stuff on the on the list that was come out from this year one cut from uh christian petzold a fire i put it on there and also passages i have on there and uh they clone tyrone i put on there so i'm gonna go to my services and hit shuffle see if any of those pop up any chance of those popping up? Let's see, you're going to hit shuffle. What do we get? Uh, I'm not going to watch that. What is that? Pierre Lefou. Wait, what did you get? I got Pierre Lefou in 1965. Jean-Luc Godard. I've, I've talked about my my hate of uh, French New Wave. So I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> take a take a uh, mulligan on that. going to do a movie called Caveat, a, a horror movie. 88-minute horror movie. I'll definitely watch that. More, more than... French New Wave. Sorry, French New Wave. I'm sure you're fine. Uh, <laughs> caveat, 2020 movie directed by Damien, uh, D- Damien McCarthy uh-huh. about a lone drifter suffering partial memory loss accepts a job to look after a psychologically troubled woman in an abandoned house on an isolated island. Interesting. No, no big stars. No big director. So I'll be checking that out. Derek, go to my go to go to my watch list. Go to my shut. Go to I'm my, going to my watch list, not your watch list. Your watch list. Go to your watch oh, list. Okay. Go to sh- my services. Your sh- your yeah. services. Hit shuffle. Tell me what you get. I got Marty, the oh. movie from nineteen fifty five that won Best Picture that no one remembers exists. <laughs> yeah. Time. Fucking Tubi and Pluto TV because people don't give a shit about it. Those the t- the fucking services yes. that are like fuck yeah, it, whatever. No, I know. I heard this. Nobody else wanted them. I've heard good things because they're doing a um, on on Big Pick today. They're doing a uh, garbage fish sort of countdown, garbage fish uh, collective, talking about like the best, like the Meg movies or like Anaconda or. I think they said open water is also that. I was like, oh, interesting. Didn't I wouldn't put I wouldn't place that in like a garbage fish uh, genre, but I guess that is what that is. Sure. So yeah, this is be, what I get for putting all the best pictures yeah. in my fucking watch list. Yeah, it's one of those just it's like oh, ninety minutes though. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Ernest Borgnine as Marty. Ernest Borgnine. Yep. All right, so let's get to some plugging. I I checked my letterbox followers, and I'm actually at uh, 89. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't watch movies anymore. Don't rate them. (laughs) There's no reason to stop following me. Jeez. Uh, So go to B underscore four Benedetta over there if you want to follow me. I'm 11 away from 100. Go to Film SAS on YouTube to watch all my 
film essays, go to Spotify for podcasters to make a podcast, upload it everywhere, check out interviews, BR Jaeger, Cinematech, all those people from from your uh, Derek, what you get to plug? I got to plug Underrated, my uh, other podcast that I do where we talk about underrated and underappreciated films. We are right in the middle of doing a mini-series where we're talking about, instead of just one movie, um, underrated film series. Uh, so this week we are talking about, uh, uh, one of my co-host picks, uh, talks about the, the Death Note um, duology. The, the not the Netflix American one, which everyone hates, oh. but the Japanese one that gotcha. both of them came out in 2006, and for some reason both had the Red Hot Chili Peppers as credit songs. <laughs> uh, we get into it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's that was a lot of fun to talk about. It's a lot of fun to talk about these film series. Uh, some changes coming to underrated in a few uh, pretty soon. So go ahead and go ahead and give that a listen. Uh, uh, yes. But yeah. Do that. Um, also, check out my Instagram because I've been posting a bunch of things that you will not enjoy hearing about, but uh, do a bunch of uh, mid-journey AI-generated uh, stuff. So, uh, yeah, go to my Instagram and, uh, you know, don't give me money for those. Don't do that. But uh, <laughs> go but to my yeah, Instagram. Yeah, just give him follows. Give me follows this, on Instagram. Yeah. Bicy- bicycle on. Follows for that sweet, sweet stolen art. <laughs> for that sweet stolen, stolen art. humans replicated by robots. Yes. Listen, if AI, this is the future and AI is listening, Damian Sherman, I am. I love you. I love you, AI. Just, uh, don't take my don't take my body for for warmth and don't take my body for electronics and all that stuff. January twenty seventh, nineteen ninety seven is gonna be a real bad day for anyone not wearing <laughs> a million FPS. <laughs> Uh, I love robots. Love you, robots. Uh, equality, marriage equality for robots. That's my that's my platform. <laughs> you can hear this message. Yeah. We're fighting against the AI. <laughs> We're dead. We're all dead. I, <laughs> the fucking uh, the trailer for um, what was the transfer? Not transformers. Terminator the, Salvation. Terminator Salvation. One of the best underrated trailers. movie. Fucking one love of Terminator the best. Salvation. Great trailer. Decent movie, but one of the best trailers of all time. Really was. Yeah. Bum 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 bum. Yes. So for can I say something? I've been Damien. I've been Derek. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye.